Good morning, everyone. Sorry I didn't get a chance to greet you earlier. Thanks for doing that, Rick. I, uh, it's a pleasure for me to uh, be up in front of you again, in front of my church family. Uh, I think uh, I did this. Uh, there goes my children's sermon, kids. Nice. We'll do it again when they come in. Um, I, I was up here, uh, been up here a couple times a year now, and last time I was up here, we read from the uh, from John's uh, Gospel, uh, the first chapter, the first 14 verses. And this year, the message is uh, John's uh, Gospel, the first chapter, the first 14 verses. So apparently, lectionary didn't think I got it right last year. Got to do it all over again. And that's fine. I'm very happy to do it. Um, great to see all you people here. Look at this wonderful good-looking group, a youth group here. I got some here. Hey, Zach, how's it going, buddy? Uh, I really appreciate you guys coming here. Um, it's, it's nice to see you. Um, I'll tell you a story this week when I was, when I was talking about the passage and struggling with a little bit. I told my daughter, Samantha, that uh, I would needed to kind of work through this same passage again. He said, Dad, what are you worried about? The sermon's only like 10 minutes, isn't it? <laughs> she is so cute. <laughs> 10 minutes. Maybe, maybe 12. Who's got the clock on me this time, right? Uh, um, I'd like to start out down by reading uh, from John. I'm going to read the first uh, couple of lines of chapter 1 and then jump to uh, verse 10. So as our tradition of the church, if you are able, please stand for the reading of the gospel. From John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God from the beginning. And in verse 14. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, the one who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This ends the reading of the gospel. Thanks to you, thanks to you, O Lord Jesus Christ. Please be seated. Happy January! Woo! Anybody ever say that? Yeah! What next month? February or January? That's an excellent month. Who else has a February birthday? Look at that. That's great. Who's got a January birthday? I'm really sorry. I don't think anybody says, hey, happy January. God, thank goodness Christmas is over. Let's put everything away. Woohoo! You know, there just doesn't seem to be as much joy with putting things away, putting Christmas away as it is putting it up. I can see here the tree is still up. I like that. Uh, our tree is still up in our house, probably because we haven't been home all that much to kind of do anything with it. Who else has their tree still up? Anybody? Wow, wow, some people very nice. But, you know, that isn't like, January just isn't the best time to do that where we're taking down things, and we're taking down the tree, and we're, we're putting away the ornaments, and, and, and we're putting away the lights, and, and um, it's just, it just not as much joy wrapping up the manger part, pieces and putting them away. And, and the, and the snow globes and everything else. Christmas carols are all done. I can't find any on the radio anymore. And I used to listen when they were paying 24-7 on 106.9. I would listen. Can't find them anymore. Christmas movies are all done. You guys watch Christmas movies this year? I think I only saw like one myself. But um, And Rick Castle, you are absolutely correct. 
Die Hard is a Christmas movie. If there's any doubt about that, one of the best. You know, the, the stores don't have their Christmas sales anymore. They have their after Christmas sales, and those are some screaming deals. I found some good stuff there. But uh, I don't see that in the stores. There's no excitement in the stores anymore. There's no doubt we're in transition, that the seasons are changing. We're moving from one period to another period. Even the fact, even our diets, you know, I, I think in January we have a lot less sugar and alcohol than we did in December. Well, that's true for me. Our bodies are changing. We're changing our activities. We used to go up and go hiking and, and swimming and rafting and such. And now we're, we're skiing because, thank goodness, there's snow this year. And we're snowmobiling and we're sledding and we're doing all the fun things there. And we're, we're setting resolutions to help us make these changes. But we are in a time of transition. Um, New Year's resolutions. I hope that you were here last week to hear Bob Higgins, Reverend Bob Higgins. He was great. He was talking about his New Year's resolutions, about, about uh, living more in the spirit, better in the spirit. And I love the fact of his main accent, which is awesome. You guys get two New England accents in a row. Very exciting. <laughs> I'm trying not to park my car in the parking lot, but I don't think I talk that badly anymore. How do we deal with this change? How do we go from one period to another period? How do we get regenerated, regrounded, revitalized? How do we get that spirit going again in the month of January, that beautiful month of January? Well, I think that this message from John helps us out, talking about the word becomes flesh. And of course, the scary part about that is the word, word, because man, do we hear words all the time. We are inundated, inundated, inundated. Thank you, inundated with words all the time. You hear people like me preaching all the time. You, we have emails, countless emails. We have countless texts. We have advertisements on TV and the radio, and there's words, words, words everywhere. Um, <laughs> God forbid we've got a political year coming up. Think about the words we're going to hear about then. We have to really differentiate what word is the right word. People using words to get our attention, to sell us their product. Well, luckily, and our use of the word word in this passage is different. You know, John uses it, in, the, in, in his Greek, he uses the word logos. It's a life force, it's a love, it's a deep love. It, it's more than just a word. Now, and that's the beginning of his gospel. You know the beginning of the other gospels. We've got uh, Matthew and Luke who start out with the birth story, basically. And you've got, because that's where they see the, his, his ministry starts. And we have Mark starts out with um, his baptism, with John the Baptist. John the Baptist. I think he had more hair than I did. But, uh, so John the Baptist started that, that gospel where those guys thought that the ministry of Jesus was important where it started. John takes it back a little farther. Three simple words that John uses. In the beginning, he goes back. Because John was, you know, John wrote his gospel when he was older. He was an old man when he wrote his. He wasn't a historian. He wasn't telling you what happened. John was an eyewitness. He walked with Jesus. He, he went on adventures with Jesus. He was there all the time. So his approach is more of a spiritual approach. And you notice that there's a lot less of John of this happened, this happened, this happened, or much more of like, 
He did this because it was foretold back in the scriptures. And John's audience, they all wrote for different people. John's audience were the Greeks. Uh, people wrote for different groups, but John's audience mainly was the Greeks. And think about who they were following at that time. Their heroes were, were Hercules and Zeus, not Abraham and Moses. They read the works of Aristotle and Plato, not, not Micah and Jeremiah and Isaac. Completely different group of people. And John was very well steeped in Jewish law. Uh, he, he was very much into it. So when he had to talk to these people, that's what he chose the word, it's a Greek word, logos, the deep love, the life force. Like I said, when he, said, when he started, he said, in the beginning. You know, when, and so meaning that, that in the beginning, God was, because if, let's back up a second. So if you're, if you're believing, like a lot of people believe, that the entire Bible is a story of Jesus. You know that the word was with God in the beginning. Jesus was with God in the beginning. The word was with God. The word was God. And in our story here, God sent the word. God sent Jesus to us. God is a great gift giver. He sends wonderful things. I think, I think all of us in our lives think about people that he has sent to us or, or role models he has provided for us or certain gifts he has sent us. When I think of that, I think of like one of my, one of my big role models in my church is my Uncle Bob. My Uncle Bob is my mother's old uh, big brother. They lived in Buffalo, I think, their whole lives around Buffalo. That's where I was born. And Uncle Bob was a, was a big member of the Presbyterian Church there. My, father, my mother's father was Presbyterian. Her mother was Catholic, but some next-door neighbor said, hey, there's this church down the street, Presbyterian Church. You guys ought to think about going to it. And they did. It was a big church. About 2,000 members. It's called Central Presbyterian in Buffalo. And Uncle Bob took to it like a skunk to water. That is not right. Like, <laughs> I, get my, I get them mixed up. Like, duck to water, thank you. I get them mixed up. I still got that thing about the blind man falling off the boat, but uh, that's, something, that's our joke. But um, they, like a duck to water, thank you. He got connected right away. The connections were there for him, and he absorbed it. He, became, he was part of the youth group right away. He, uh, when he got older, he was a leader of the youth group. He taught Sunday school there. He, he became a deacon, and later on he became an elder. And back in those days, you got a big church like that, and you were an elder. Don't you remember that? They, had the big, they wore the jackets. They wore the elder jacket, the big striped jackets to the church so they could see who they were. Very cool. Very cool. So that was my Uncle Bob. He was a great member there, and he, was, and he learned how to, how to make connections, how to make relationships. He even met his wife there in the youth group. Wife was a, his wife was a good friend of my mother's, and they met that way through the youth group at church, and they had a long and happy marriage. Making those connections, making those relationships are really important. I think he was a good role model to me for that. So in this case, God is sending, not my Uncle Bob this time, but he's sending Jesus to us. He's sending his son to us. The word made flesh, and it was sent to us. And I think it was for a very specific reason. 
I think he did that to help build the relationship between us and him. It was completely different now. There was an actual deity that was walking the earth for us. You know, in the, in the New Testament, I don't think there were all that many instances where people saw God, where we saw Jesus. And, you know, I, looking through my research, I don't think anybody, like, if they came face-to-face -face with God, he was in a different form. He wasn't however we picture him. It wasn't like that movie, George Burns. Oh, oh God, oh, God, yeah. I I, I, which I love that image of God, walking a short man, walking with a golf cap, a cigar. That's a, that's a terrific image of God. That's not how, kind of, unfortunately, it played out. But um, and <laughs> George Burns and John Denver, who would have thought, I tell you. But he made the word become flesh, and he sent Jesus to us to start a new relationship, a new way to relate us to him. Because I think that a lot of times our relationship with God before that might have been, there's a lot of, there's a lot of solitude. There's a lot of, there's a lot of prayer. There's a lot of like one-on-one. -on -one, there's a lot of, in a, in a church environment like this. But this was different. This was somebody who walked along with us. It was personal. There was a real person that God sent. That was the word. That was God. And he didn't just send somebody, some aloof king up on some throne. He didn't send a general to lead an army. He didn't lead somebody that, that you couldn't relate to, you couldn't touch, you couldn't feel, you couldn't smell. He sent a person. It was very personal. He sent Jesus. And Jesus was human with all the crap that we got as humans and all the emotions that we have and all the emotional baggage that we carry around. Remember Jesus, uh, he had emotions. He cried, right, when... Um, when Lazarus died, how sad it was, he cried. He loved to, he loved to be social. He went to social uh, engagements. There's so many stories about him going to dinners or, or the wedding in Canaan or, or, or over people's houses and such. He felt pity like we do. When he had to feed the 5,000 people and the loaves and the fishes, he felt pity that they didn't have anything to eat. He certainly got angry. The story about him in the temple uh, comes in into the marketplace, and he's lifting up the tables and knocking them over. You know, he got angry. He needed companionship like we do. I have a friend that said, if you think you can live this life all on your own, you're, you're, you're crazy. Jesus didn't live it on his own. There were some times of solitude for him, but he was so many times that he was, he was walking with his companions. Peter, uh, James, John. They were always with him. He, was, he always had companionship, always hanging out with the guys. He got tired like the rest of us. He had his limitations. Story about him, him going to sleep in the boat. And, uh, of course, that didn't turn out very well because then there was a storm and everybody woke him up, but still. And he felt fear, real fear, like we all do, when he was going through the passion. He said, Father, let this cup passed me by. He felt real fear. He was like us. And the version of the Bible, you know, called the message, I like it because it says, the word was made flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. That's what he did. He was a person. He moved in our neighborhood. He wasn't just among us. He lived among us. So that's how I kind of think we work with this, this, this transition, this month of January, 
Um, we only had one January birthday in here. Anybody else have a January birthday? No? Oh, interesting. Uh, oh, okay. Very nice. Um, because, you know, January is one of those months. You've got the doldrums, right? You've got, you've got, you know, the weather and everything. You've got, you got, you know, cold days and rain days, and sometimes there's hail. New resolutions that are destined to fail. Snow slides and mud slides in the traffic it brings. And these are a few of January things. I did. It's copyrighted right here. No, you can use it for the choir next time. That's really. We need to make fun of January. We need to make, you know, make fun of it, embrace it. This transition time, and everybody says, ugh, January. What do we do? Let's rely on passages like this to ground us. Remember what is important. This passage reminds us that we get to see God face to face in the form of Jesus. And that's why the word became flesh. You know, the word became flesh. Joy to the world. Uh, heaven and nature sing. Repeat the sounding joy. Comes to make his blessings flow. The wonders of his love. All words about relationship. Joy to the world because he is with us now. We now have God on earth to help us teach us how to live in relationships with each other. So they're more enriching, fulfilling uh, spiritual lives. He really taught us how to live with each other. And we we may not see Jesus like the people in the Bible did, but we see his effect. We see his effect on, on how he helped us form relationships with other people. A, a story this week I wanted to share with you. Um, we have these friends uh, who are part of this really tight-knit group. And, and their kids have grown up together. And there's, there's probably four or five families here. And the kids have grown up together. They've become good friends. They've done everything together. They consider each other's kids their kids too. Um, and then tragedy hit. On Thursday morning, one of the, one of the girls, she's 20, 20 years old, was driving up with a friend up to go skiing on Route 2, very dangerous highway. They did hit ice, and they, they turned. There was a collision, and, and this girl uh, tragically died. So think how it affects her family and all this other tight-knit group. Jesus teaches us how to work with this. When Chris called up the family, the, the, the people that we know, it wasn't their daughter, but... You know, how are you guys doing? Oh, we just like to be around friends. And, uh, geez, you want to go out and, and, and get a beer? I'm that one to refuse an t- opportunity to go out and drink a beer. So we said, yeah, sure, let's do that. So we're going to meet them and just kind of like, because they want to be around friends. It needs that relationship that Jesus taught us. So on the way, they're riding their bikes, and they meet up with somebody who um, they knew from something, someplace else. They say, hey, we're going to go for a beer. Yeah, he'll come too. And on the way over, other people are calling these people. Hey, how are you guys doing? Well, we're heading over here for a beer. Hey, we'll join you. Before we knew it, we got 12 or 15 people around this table having a beer, spending time together. And I think that that's what Jesus has helped us to understand, the relationship, that, that how we need to be together to get through these situations. And I think that is why the word became flesh. And I think we see it in other instances, too. You know, it, there's so many situations where you see helping hands 
in soup kitchens and other places where people cannot do it on their own and they need help and the helping hands that are there understanding that it's a relationship that is why the word became flesh other examples there's great counselors I know and we all know that people that help us with our own lives with our personal lives with our professional lives uh, with our relationships those kind of counselors they understand the touching the, the, the relationship that is why the word became flesh we all know teachers, we all have had teachers, we have all have been around teachers, people that, that are giving up a lot of themselves to better other people, to help other people grow. That is why the word became flesh. There's so many examples. In our own church, um, I think that uh, Rick had mentioned it before, the teen feed program that we do. I know Gary, you work on that, I know Jack and Cheryl, I know other people do. I don't. I, unfortunately, I haven't gone, so I'm not sure all the great parties that are part of that. It's a terrific example of, of people sharing relationships with other people, and that is why the word became flesh. I missed the Christmas pageant this year. Did you guys, you guys hear for the Christmas pageant? Was it, was it fabulous like it was? I was last year was incredible. And was it good this year too? I, I'm sorry I missed it, but clear example of people and the adults and the love and the utter patience to go through a Christmas pageant like that so that the kids can then be the leaders of the church. That is why the word became flesh. It's wonderful little youth group over here. I tell you, this is, this is, this is an amazing little group. Um, I tell you, every week we spend time together and and, and I wonder, oh, I don't know, should I go? Yeah, I should go, whatever. And it's so worth it. And these kids give me the biggest headaches and the biggest joys I have all week long. And I leave that, that group revitalized every week. Please do not tell them that. They've got big heads. But that is why the word became flesh. And we have so many role models. I talked about my Uncle Bob. We have so many worlds in this church, and you know, we, have, we have Donna, and we have Lynn, and we have Gary, and we have everybody around. Carolyn, hi, Carolyn. Uh, so many role models that help us make this church and help us further our spiritual um, experience. That is why the word became flesh. My friend Shara, Shara, are you still here? How's your cough? You okay? Very nice. I come for youth group every Wednesday, and she's usually in the kitchen that time. And she knows about when I come. And when I come, she's always got something ready for me. She's got, she basically, I come in the door, she hands me a cookie and gives me a kiss on the cheek. That is a relationship. That isn't a task to do here. I mean, she understands this is a relationship here, that when, what we're doing here. And that is why the word became flesh. The other reading that, that was that's for this week, but we didn't read it, was for Jeremiah. And Jeremiah talks about a new beginning. And it's a wonderful time to talk about this year, about a new beginning, and we think about resolutions or whatever we're doing. But also, combined with, with us thinking about the passage from John, to look at our relationship with God afresh and anew, and discover for ourselves why the word has become flesh.
Amen.